The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about so many really wonderful and important privacy issues because we have... A fabulous guest with us coming to us from Washington, D.C., Gene Healy. And let me tell you a little bit about him. And he is vice president at the Cato Institute. And we've had on, um, before we've had on guests from the Cato Institute, which does wonderful work. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. Gene Healy is a vice president at Cato Institute. And his research interests include executive power and the role of the presidency, which we've heard a lot about lately as well as federalism and overcriminalization. He's the author of The Cult of Presidency of Presidency, America's Dangerous Devotion to Executive Power, and he's the editor of the 2004 collection Go Directly to Jail: The Criminalization of Almost Everything. Mr. Healy has appeared on PBS's NewsHour with Jim Lehrer, who I have too, and NPR's Talk of the Nation, and he's and his writings have appeared in our Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Legal Times, and many other places. And he's also a weekly columnist for the Washington Examiner, where I've read several of his articles. So you can find out more about him and the great work that they're doing at the Cato Institute at Cato.org. That's C-A-T-O dot org. Thank you, Gene, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. And thank you for the very kind introduction. Well, you know, I've really uh, followed some of your articles. In fact, I think one of your articles even appeared in the Daily Journal, which is our legal newspaper for the state of California. So that's, I think, how I found you. But I've read a couple of your articles, and they have appeared in the Washington Examiner on the issue of drones. And that really scares me about drones. What what really is happening with these domestic drones? And maybe most people don't even know about this. Maybe in D.C. you hear of all this stuff, but way out here in California, people are not, they don't even know about these domestic drones. We just know about that they've used drones in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. But what about these domestic drones? Well, they, uh, they, they, there is a movement towards uh, the use of, uh, of domestic drones. Uh, they won't necessarily be the large predator-style drones that you've uh, that are you, you hear about when uh, when a, whenever uh, President Obama uh, 
orders of targeted killing abroad, although, you know, some predators are, you know, are in U.S. airspace. Uh, they, they can be very, uh, very small, very light robot planes that are equipped with surveillance capabilities. And they really represent a game changer in terms of uh, privacy and not a change uh, for the better. They, re- they uh, dramatically enhance the law enforcement's ability to, uh, to monitor the citizenry, and I think it's important as uh, this technology develops and as they're contemplating it, the uh, federal government is contemplating uh, its widespread use on the home front. I think it's uh, very important that we uh, pause for reflection before we uh, end up uh, sleepwalking towards dystopia, as you might put it. You know, what really scared me, in one of your articles, you talked about the nano hummingbird. Tell about that and what that could do, because that one really blew my mind. Sure, that's a, uh, that's a drone developed, uh, a surveillance drone developed by a company called Aerovironment uh, that does a lot of military contracting. And it is, a, uh, it is about the weight of a AA battery. It actually looks a little bit like a robot hummingbird. And it can be, uh, it can actually be used to perch on someone's someone's window ledge uh, and look into their window. Uh, and this is just the the beginning of uh, some of the uh, uh, capabilities that domestic drones are, are going to have. Uh, the ACLU has a report on uh, which uh, talks about how some of them can be equipped with thermal I- imaging equipment, um, and uh, you know the. The technology really allows uh, widespread monitoring, monitoring without uh, citizens necessarily knowing that they're uh, they're being watched. Uh, there's the uh, uh, this the Gorgon Stare drone. <laughs> you love you have to love these names. Gorgon Stare drone that's uh, being developed uh, for the U.S. Air Force, uh, which is supposed to. It's a uh, this array of uh, high-tech cameras mounted uh, in circular fashion that, uh, as the Air Force uh, official quoted in the Washington Post says, will allow them to watch an entire city without uh, uh, without the targets knowing they're being watched. Mm. So, uh, you know, recently there's a, this has all come to a head recently because there's a, well, among other things, there is a, a report uh, by the Senate Armed Services Committee uh about with for the 2013 defense authorization bill uh and the report called for allowing drones to operate quote freely and routinely in US airspace um and it says uh that that drones have shown immense value to uh, the department of defense in the global war on terrorism and that they can be used to contribute to uh, law enforcement agencies and departments within the United States, and that, quote, the pace of development must be accelerated. Uh, It's kind of a scary prospect. Really scary. So, okay, so you you got your law degree from University of Chicago, and um, I saw that in your bio, and uh, actually I'm from Chicago area, and my son got his MBA from there. So, uh, you know, you're a smart guy, and what about the Fourth Amendment with all this stuff? I mean, isn't that, aren't we, when I think about this, what really scared me when I just had this vision of, of this little tiny drone like a hummingbird 
going by my bedroom window or by my bathroom window when I'm changing or all these things. What about my my peace of mind and what about my right to be secure and, and free from search and seizure in my home? Right. I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's one of those areas where uh, Fourth Amendment law, maybe in privacy law, hasn't kept up with uh, developments in new te- technology. I mean, I think the best parallel maybe is with uh, the GPS case, the U.S. versus Jones. Um, now, the, the Supreme Court has allowed uh, aerial aerial monitoring of citizens. You know, in uh, a, at least one drug case, you know, you, if you so if you have a police helicopter and it flies over your property and they see something, it's kind of open in plain view. Right. That's, um, that's and, but that's in your and, backyard or, or in your front yeah. yard. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the the fact that drones are increasingly cheap um, and that they don't require uh, as much in the their robot controlled uh, drones. Uh, they don't require as much in the way of manpower uh, or expense. Um, you can really multiply the uh, law enforcement's ability to see things that are in plain view, and that's why I think it's similar to the uh, the, the issue presented by uh, you know GPS uh, technology in the sense that uh, sure you could always put a plainclothes police officer as a tail on somebody, uh, have them follow a car. But you're you're limited uh, because that's a, that's expensive and uh, labor intensive. But if you can put uh, a small GPS tracking device on that car or on many cars, uh, then you can generate a record with, at a much lower expense. So it's the the fact that uh, the new technology uh, allows a multiplier effect in, in terms of surveillance is something where it's you know it's a where a difference in degree becomes a difference in kind. And uh, I think that's uh, something that we really need to to address. You know, it's interesting when I think about privacy by design, which the Federal Trade Commission has been looking into for for commercial products. And um, Anne Kabukian, who is the Commissioner of Canada, uh, has been on my show a couple times and we've talked about it. They're obviously, you know, and what her, uh, her, vision in which she's been trying to, you know, infiltrate with the Federal Trade Commission is that anytime you develop a new technology, any kind of new technology or or new product, that into the fabric or into the architecture of whatever that technology is, you should build a privacy by design. But it seems like when it comes to this, you know, what the government is creating, uh, you know, security really trumps any kind of privacy, even though they could be mutually, uh, you know, attainable, right? I, I think that's, uh, that's a fair statement. Uh, I don't think there's been sufficient attention paid to the privacy uh, implications of bringing this technology home, this technology that uh, got its jump start from, uh, you know, a, a War. Battlefield <laughs> yeah. environment, uh, yeah. you know, a, a, the ability to uh, to gather battlefield intelligence. Well, uh, what you see in this case and what you see in uh, some other cases with uh, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, they, they're bringing the, home, the war home in a sense. Uh, you've had the Department of Homeland Security uh, give Homeland Security grants so that small towns can get uh, – 
you know, security cameras. Uh, you have uh, tiny towns in Alaska that will have uh, a couple of dozen uh, DHS-funded uh, uh, homeland security cameras. Uh, you, you know, it's uh, turning uh, small-town America into uh, the London panopticon. Uh, you've also seen, uh, uh, well, you've seen local police departments, uh, not quite a privacy issue, but uh, local police departments acquiring military ordnance and uh, armed personnel carriers. And, uh, you know, we're seeing the same thing here. There's actually a, a pretty funny story from, well, sort of mordantly funny story from uh, a few months ago about a police department in Texas that was looking into buying a $300,000 Shadowhawk drone uh, with the aid of a federal grant. And they went out for a, a demonstration uh, uh, to to a, a local air base. They went out for a demonstration of the, this drone, and uh, uh, they took the, it was a photo op for them, so they took uh, the, their Homeland Security-funded Bearcat tank and an armored personnel carrier, and they took the SWAT team. And actually, the the drone there was a miscue, and the drone crashed into the uh, into the, the armed personnel carrier. That was but good. at the end of it, they said they were still they still wanted to buy the drone. Oh my uh, goodness! So you, yeah, you may get a situation where uh, the federal government is uh, is funding some of this stuff, and uh, you know. People feel like they don't have a real police department or a real law enforcement agency unless they've got their own drones. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is, you know, the idea of privacy and these kinds of things isn't necessarily, you know, a Democratic or a Republican. I mean, we have people on both sides of of the aisle that are concerned about privacy, and we have people on both sides of the aisle that, that don't get it. So I understand that Congressman Austin Scott, who is a Republican from Georgia, introduced the Preserving Freedom from Unwarranted Surveillance Act. So what about mm-hmm. that? What, what about that legislation? What do you think about it? Uh, I think it's a good first step. Uh, it uh, requires, uh, except in a, a number of exigent circumstances, it sets down the general principle that uh, to use a drone, to, to gather evidence by use of a drone, you need a warrant, uh, at least with regard to the federal government. Um, and I think that's a pretty sound principle. I, I don't. We don't want to get in a situation where we condemn uh, an entire technology because most most techno- technologies have good uses and bad uses. It depends on the user. So you, you can certainly envision uh, uses of drones that uh, you know. I think we'd all support if you've got a you know a guy lost in a national park uh, we don't know where he is and is running out of water or something uh you know drone technology would be uh would be pretty effective in, in a case like that you might might imagine some uh hostage situations where you might uh you know want to without putting an officer at risk or uh the hostages at risk get a a, a view of the situation uh yeah. so there are there's certainly areas where you can imagine legitimate uh, and healthy uses of, of drones, but you want to make sure that we don't, uh, you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater in this case. Well, absolutely. I mean, anytime there's probable cause, you know, then you can go in and you can easily get a warrant for some kind for something like that. I mean, for something that is, if if it's criminal. 
And obviously for law enforcement to have that, you know, we have out here in California, we have helicopters that go out into the rugged mountains and people go hiking in the mountains. And obviously we're real happy when we're able to have the team bring back somebody alive. So you're absolutely right if it can make that easy. But again, I think it has to be for for any kind of case where you're going to be invasive into somebody's life when when you're you're just looking for, um, you know, you're, you're just trying to find something on them, that would be pretty scary, I think. And just, you know, I, I keep thinking about that hummingbird that, that you wrote about. <laughs> you know, if they're just trying to find a, what might I be doing in my home or what might I be doing in my bedroom, I just, uh, I, I find that very offensive. So don't well, I agree with you. And, the uh, you know, even what the, what the Fourth Amendment allows that's in plain view, when you've got uh, a number of drones that can, you, you, you radically multiply the law enforcement law enforcement's uh, ability to monitor what's quote unquote in plain view, and you've really changed the level of privacy that people people have. Exactly, exactly. So let's switch gears a little bit. And you had written quite a bit about the TSA, you know, last year. So um, can you just give me a little bit about, tell us about your concerns with TSA and their secrecy? Uh, I, I think there are, uh, uh, I understand that, it, that it's uh, extraordinarily difficult for people who get placed on uh, watch lists and no-fly lists to uh, either A, get themselves off the, the list when uh, they've been placed there erroneously, or B, find out any information about how they, what the criteria are for being put on that that list so uh i definitely have some concerns uh regarding the tsa and secrecy uh uh often though uh my concerns with the tsa are uh it's a bureaucratic idiocy it's uh the invasive nature of its tactics and uh its general uselessness yeah, I know you so, wrote you wrote an article recently about that um, TSA is the leading indicator of the future of government stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to give a, a couple examples of that. Sure, uh, I think that uh, you well the examples are are, are legion. Uh, you know the uh, the the uh, Bruce Schneier, uh, who I I know you've had on the program, he had a, a pretty good list of uh of uh idiotic TSA actions uh not, not too long ago uh uh talking about this debate he had with a with a T former TSA administrator he says uh he wants us to trust that a 400 milliliter bottle of liquid is dangerous but transferring it to 400 milliliter <laughs> bottles magically makes it safe that butter knives given to first class passengers are too dangerous to be taken through a security checkpoint and uh Mm. you know you you should be able to confiscate a plastic three inch plastic toy gun and a plastic lightsaber uh and worse than that uh you know the uh the weekly and daily indignities that uh uh, small children, uh, elderly people, handicapped people, and uh, not to mention uh, normal a- able-bodied folks are 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 subjected to um, in uh, the uh, so-called porno, porno scan or and or the pat down. Oh, I know. You know, I think I told you in my email that uh, 
I, I won't go through that scanner for privacy reasons and for health reasons. I just won't go through that, that crazy scanner that they put up. So I, every time I go, you know, I just I tell them, hey, you know, I'm not going to go through and get somebody. Well, do you want to be in private? No, I don't want to be in private. And I, and I get this massage and I, you know, I start playing with them. It's like, oh, you know, more on my neck. Go ahead. More, more on my back. You know, I just do that. Because it's so idiotic. It is, it is so ridiculous. And what kind of over... And, and even if you were to make a, 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 l- a little joke to, to lighten the mood in an awkward situation, <laughs> you might find yourself, uh, you know, in a, in a windowless room pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I, I usually do it in a real sweet way, you know, and I laugh and go, mm-hmm. oh, you'd be, you, you know, you're in the wrong profession. You should be a masseuse or something, <laughs> you know. I always get a woman, so... But um, it is. It is so ridiculous. What kind of oversight is there really for the TSA? It seems like there's no oversight, no checks and balances. Uh, it does. It, does, it certainly seems that way. I mean, you're even seeing uh, congressmen and senators uh, getting felt up or uh, yeah. delayed from the, their their uh, flights. Uh, I think it's what you referred to uh, a bit earlier that. Uh, Security, national security, has sort of become this uh, talismanic phrase where we can leave common sense and uh, uh, personal liberty at at the door. And you know, when you look at uh, uh, we we have a I have a colleague here, John Mueller, uh, who's done terrific work on on terrorism. He wrote he had the courage to say uh, early on when it was still uh, a little dangerous to say this, that the terrorist threat was wildly overblown. Um, he points out that uh, the uh, in, in the United States, uh, since 9-11, the terrorists have, have been utterly unable to set off a single bomb. Uh, the, only, the only way that they've actually managed to kill anyone in the United States since 9-11 is... Uh, through firing guns, like in uh, the uh, Fort Hood case, um, they, you know, even the Weather Underground was able to set off a couple of bombs, uh, and uh, you really, uh, you're not looking at an incredibly competent group of people. Uh, the studies that have been done on the uh, the uh, General Accounting Office or the Government Accountability Office, uh, excuse me, uh, when they looked into the uh, the um, millimeter millimeter wave scanner, the uh, porno scanner. The uh, they said that there's no indication that this would have stopped the uh, uh, underwear bomber, who in any event was stopped by fellow passengers. Uh, we've really built. Uh, we're, we're busily turning uh, the United States and particularly air travel into uh, mm-hmm. uh, something out of a science fiction dystopia. <laughs> Uh, yes. And there's no indication that the threat uh, was anything warranting that kind of reaction. Uh, and it's, it's what a waste. I hate to travel. I used to love to travel. And now every time I have to do it, it is just such a nightmare. So what about the way the Israelis profile? They they have been very effective. I mean, considering that they're right in the middle of all their enemies and, and flights go every day, you know, all the time. What about the fact that they do psychological profiling. You know, they don't do racial. I think, you know, a lot of the people, you you wouldn't be able to do the kind of racial profiling that someone might want to do here. But um, 
What about the psychological profiling? Why hasn't that been implemented here? It seems so much more effective. Well, it may not be from what I've read about it, and I actually did go through uh, Israeli uh, airport security, the Tel Aviv airport. It was a long time ago. It was right after college, uh, and it was a pretty interesting experience. Uh, they gave you two hours. They wanted you to be there two hours before an uh, international flight, and uh, I didn't take that very seriously, so my friend and I got there uh, with only an hour to spare, and uh, they you know, tried to rush us through, but the the folks there who uh, asked you questions uh, were, you know, tremendously impressive. Uh, they clearly highly educated people, uh, and very smart and very savvy. And uh, this may not be something that we could scale up uh, at any reasonable expense. For uh, the you know a, a country with as many airports and as much air travel as the United States, um, frankly, I think uh, we made air tra- air travel got dramatically safer uh, before the day was up on 9/11. Uh, in most cases uh, where there's been a threat to a plane, uh, it's been taken care of by vigilant passengers because. Uh, in on the morning of 9/11, uh, the, the assumption had been that if a plane is hijacked, you're going to be taken to Cuba and traded for hostages or something, and right. that is no longer the assumption. And uh, I, I think uh, a, a couple of uh, very you know hardened cockpit doors and uh, the fact that uh, there's a different expectation among the American people, I think, did more. To get to make air travel safer than uh, the billions upon billions spent by the TSA, and that's reflected. Uh, you know, you can go to the uh, TSA blog and look at their uh, every year they do the top ten uh, things uh, you know stopped by the TSA, and it's uh, rarely a it's rarely a terrorist. It's usually uh, uh, some somebody who uh, forgot the uh, concealed carry permit and didn't. Uh, didn't uh, check his carry-on before he uh, went through security. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know that we need something uh, as elaborate uh, as Israeli uh, psychological profiling. And I'm not, uh, I haven't studied that part of it that much, but I'm not, uh, I'm a little skeptical that it could work. Right, because you'd have to have people who are educated as opposed to the TSA people who are... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who have been, uh, yeah, not not educated. Although all these people who have gotten their psych, you know, psychology degrees could probably put it to good use, I think. <laughs> you know, I want to talk a little bit. We don't have a lot of time. I want to talk just a little bit about the Cato Institute and all the great work you're doing. Could you? I forgot to ask you that in the very beginning, so I think this would be a great place to do it and then to be able to give your website. So can you just kind of give an overview of what you do and all the great free stuff that's on there? Sure. Uh, if you can go to www.cato.org, um, we are a full-service uh, libertarian think tank dedicated to uh, uh, peace, free enterprise, and civil liberties, and we work on a broad range of privacy issues. Um, we have uh, uh, studies available on the Patriot Act, on uh, the... Uh, NSA 
surveillance. Uh, my colleague has written quite a bit about, uh, my colleague Jim Harper has written quite a bit about national identity cards. Uh, so we, uh, you know, we're, uh, we spend a lot of time on these issues, and they're they're very important to us. Uh, and so, if you go to www.cato.org, uh, the most of almost all of this stuff is available, downloadable for free. Oh yeah, and you know what I really love? You have some stuff from, you know, like Thomas Jefferson. You have all these downloads from way back from our founding fathers too about liberty. I love it. So thank you so much, Gene, for joining us uh, and keep up the great work. And I hope that we can have you back again. Okay. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy there you can see our upcoming guests you can download podcasts you can look at archived in listen to archived interviews and write us about what's important to you about your privacy in the information age thanks so much for joining us stay private the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management or the uc board of regents 